Alright. So you want to uh you wanna kick it off, Desmond? Yep, yep. Uh welcome to uh Through the Island. Uh this is a podcast that is a little bit of a offshoot slash rebrand of an old podcast that uh tried a couple years ago called Dynasty Dodgers. Um I'm Desmond. I am originally from Floral Park. I live in Sunnyside, Queens now. And I'm Mike, and uh, I uh, am from Mount Sinai. I have lived there my whole life. Deep Suffolk. Deep. It's uh, it's it's a uh, it, it borders on a little bit. Hills have eyes at times. I got another I, another neighbor, uh, not directly next to me either of them, but I got another guy. Who's flying a uh, Trump 2020 no more bullshit flag? I'm I'm in deep Suffolk, baby. He's uh, he's I think he's having a good week probably. Um, but uh, well, the funny thing is you 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 <laughs> you, uh, you froze a little bit there. But but what what I appreciate is is when you came back in. It's very clear the pa- the portrait you're painting. Uh, and uh, no, but but we uh, but yeah, we we tried to to do a podcast a couple years ago found that that the team was better than we thought which kind of hurt the premise of our of our completely cynical not better not better than i thought desmond that's right that's right yeah you actually were very optimistic i was certain that that like maybe this year uh year three of the trots era was going to be like the playoff year but uh no i was wrong i was wrong and, and boy was i wrong also were we wrong that podcasts were easy to to do uh at the time i was working three jobs uh mike you were touring the world in your band um, yeah so you know uh but but things have changed both for the islanders and and our lives and society as a whole uh in in mostly bad yeah, ways so we're gonna be able to right Yes. So we're going to the the good thing is we're going to be able to get through an entire season uninterrupted uh and you know uh with with new technology and and finding new ways even uh we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there but um I I won't be back on tour until at least November and there will theoretically be a new season already started by then. I can't see why there wouldn't be but once again we'll cross that bridge when we get there and so Theoretically, we'll uh, we'll be doing this all throughout the entire season, and hopefully, a good deep playoff run like last year. Yeah, and so before we we dive into, we're recording this uh, Wednesday night, so night before the Islanders kick off their season against the Rangers. We'd be remiss to not have one last sip of of the cup of uh, well, we didn't get to sip out of the cup actually. One last no. sip of. Uh, the the uh, consolation cup uh, of of the playoff run. I mean, but in, in in all honesty, that was the most joy I've ever had as an Islander fan. The the complete uh, lightness, the 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 strange uh, bright lightness of of the afterglow of them beating the the Flyers and getting to just like hype myself up. Uh, for the Eastern Conference Finals, Islanders was great, and they went further than any Islander team in my life. That 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 Everlay goal cemented them going further than those '93 Islanders, which were the one Islander team that, like, I was alive, wasn't a hockey fan, was barely 
functional as a as a yeah three year old four year old, uh, but it was kind of nice to feel like oh it surpassed the thing that I uh, just missed out on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you were saying because uh, this is actually our second attempt <laughs> at uh, trying to record this podcast because last night we had we had technical issues. But you were saying that this is the uh, the most joy you've gotten out of any sports team that you follow because once again the Islanders are pretty much the only professional sports team that you really follow and care a ton about. Correct. Yeah, I mean, because I, I grew up and I still have, I guess, like through family and, and, and whatnot, uh, like affinity for the Mets and the Jets. But but growing up as a, as a gym, uh, that was a lot of losing to take on where it was like, I can't, I can't, I can't Howie Rose myself. I can't devote my, my uh, yearly schedule to just uh, complete dog shit sports misery um and it was like i'm gonna commit to one of these teams and the islanders were like i love the sport of hockey so that made it the easiest uh the easiest to choose yeah yeah and uh, and i was and i was saying that uh growing up and still to this day uh ever since i was a kid uh i grew up as a fan of two NHL teams, that being the Islanders, because my dad raised me in the Islanders, uh, and uh, the second being Colorado Avalanche, because growing up as a kid, I wanted to be like Peter Forsberg, and then uh, it has just kept on. Um, uh, I, I've just uh, kept up with both teams enough uh, over the years where, uh, you know, especially as of the last, like, 10 years of my life ever since I, I would say I've turned 17 or 18 and I stopped playing so much hockey because I was playing a lot and uh, I filled that void of not playing as much by watching a ton and I, I would say that I, I roughly catch 60 games from each team a year you know with the the between 60 and 70 of course there's one you know nights you're gonna miss and whatnot uh, but I uh, as I was saying um, it's also that Islanders run was kind of the longest run surprisingly from a team that i've been a fan of as long as i've been cognizant of what was going on the the avalanche did win a cup in 2001 but i was eight years old and i was kind of you know like you're eight years old you're not really you don't know who's on the third line of your uh of your uh, favorite sports team I, I had no idea what was going on outside of you know joe sackett gray bork patrick Watt, peter forsberg uh alex tangay a little bit uh but either way, so because uh, the Avalanche have not been to the third round of the playoffs, they have not been to a Western Conference final, and the Islanders made it to an Eastern Conference final last year. The val the value of like rookie year Chris Drury was lost on you. Like you were was able to, like appreciate how crucial players like that are to oh a playoff run. oh yeah the way the yeah. way the, the way this you know, the way in this run uh, a guy like I'm tra- like. I mean, every, every Islander had had a Andy Green. They're a little weathered. Andy Green, you know, getting that, I think, what, like the first goal of of I think game one against the Flyers, like yeah. that, like the fact that it was him of all the guys, this guy that's just like a solid gray, like just complete gray beard, stay at home defenseman, like scoring that first goal of the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, or or the the semi the Eastern Conference semifinals, yeah. Like, 
Yeah. That was like such an estate like that was such a cool moment and I was like, oh shit, they're flying and you can tell because even this guy scored. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, he uh we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Andy Green and his one year deal. Uh when we get into the off season stuff, we'll kinda touch on it. Um but uh yeah, that run was absolutely insane and uh incredibly heartbreaking. I believe that you mentioned from uh last time that we from yesterday when we attempted to record uh Barry Trotz saying that he will think about that Eastern Conference final loss to the Lightning on his deathbed, which is uh pretty grim. Yeah, I mean the idea like But I love it. I love it. It's it's definitely it's definitely metal. It's a little bit metal. It's a little bit the cure. It's a little bit uh, it. It's very macabre. It's very emo. I, I, I'm curious as to how uh, Barry's uh, family, like you know, like <laughs> like you gotta just say you're just gonna say that to a reporter. You know that that was that's in print now. But no, I I mean I yeah. That that shows that that I mean Trotz is the MVP of of this team, uh, and 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 I think that I mean that said I don't think you know the the meme of of thinking about that Brock Nelson breakaway for for uh, for the summer or I guess it ended it ended in the fall basically so the, yeah this off season spent thinking about that Brock Nelson breakaway game six I I think to me like if you're gonna just have any sort of you know where it could have gone better would have just been finishing that series against uh, against the Flyers in five or six because they were the better team in in both well, in yes they were they were yeah. in games uh game five was tricky because they were kind of uh they weren't until they were in the third and they really put their foot on the gas pedal and tied it up and you were like all right that's it this this is a wrap the Islanders came came from behind forced overtime and they were flying in overtime too well varley varley kind of uh played himself out of that series so that was yeah yeah that that was the 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 case there but uh you know i think at the end and but even then all of that said islanders finishing in five or six they're still playing the lightning that lightning team was and is like that is on par with those Red Wings avalanche teams of the like late nineties, early two thousands. Like it, it's just uh, they're they're deep, so it's like you can you can beat yourself up because they they yep. were right there. But honestly, like the light, the, like to me, there's not much like there's no shame in losing to a team that is just that good. Like I I don't know you took and you took them to six games, so it's uh, and game six ended in overtime. You know, so. game six ended in overtime. Uh, game five and six both ended. Uh, uh, the the start of both overtimes in game five and six were them having to kill off double minor penalties, which is crazy. Yeah, and they did the it. They killed off I've both both penalties. That was the sickest I've yeah. ever felt. Yeah, uh, the, it, was it was it Bo? I think both I times? felt sicker. Uh, was they, it Bo the, or was it Bo and a- like one uh, time it was Bo, it, one time it was Andy Green, right? One time it was Bo, one time it was Andy Green. Andy Green was game six, and the only reason that I remember that it was specifically Andy Green is because there's a great shot of Andy Green standing up in the penalty box when Brock Nelson goes on that breakaway, and then he just his head is staring at the lights as as uh, he realizes it's not going in. Yeah. Um, 
but 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 anyway, uh, the uh, if they had wrapped up that flyer series in games five or six, I don't necessarily. You know, it's entirely possible the Lightning win in six, but I I don't think game one is eight to one, eight to two, whatever it was. Yeah, I don't, and I and and that's kind of a ripple effect. I you know, then who knows how game two goes? Game two is sick. Like the Islanders played out of their minds, good, especially defensively, and then, you know, uh, absolutely heartbreaking ending to that. Uh, that that ending hurt. It's almost like that ending hurt me even a little bit more than the game six overtime one, because yeah. it was like, uh, yeah, there's something about losing with less than ten seconds left in a game for me that like really like fires me up in a good in a in a bad way if you're losing or in the most insane way when you're winning yeah i i remember puck soup that they, they kind of referred to it as like the or like i think down goes brown was like the that was a heartbreaker because you know the islanders losing game one the way they did is like all right well you lost a game with the lightning that you never could win like that style of game was a game the islanders couldn't play you can't play catch up with the lightning really uh, yeah and and yep. but but game two was a game that was the Islanders game that was yep. the we're waiting you out like that that was like the boa constrictor style uh, game that they just happened to lose on a on a play where two guys that shouldn't have been in the lineup were and happened to be on the ice and like that's the rare the rare Barry Trotz L uh yeah you know the rare the rare kenny jansen missed broken up pass you know it, it, it happens i i'll i'll push back a little bit and just say that uh i think it's perfectly acceptable that leo was in the lineup and i think he was relatively effective in that playoff defensively especially but man was he not on that on that moment where he needed to be. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, and I mean, to that end, that transition just to the, to the off season and kind of just the overall yeah. construction of the line, because they didn't win. It was great, but because they were that, because they were that close, because they were six wins away from what the point of all of this is, uh, you know, you, you, you've got to get there. And especially because frankly, like the Islanders timeline slash when you know you refer to teams as windows and timelines yeah. i don't the islanders to me are kind of a, a, a mishmash because i don't know and and that's part of what this this offseason seemingly has has been you know they they offloaded brassard which you know i was glad for uh because i thought for the most part he was not uh he was not particularly uh effective he had that great great pass to andy green in game seven against the uh, the Flyers, but for the most part, he had some nice like little tap ins and one timers. But he he did not like have much affect on on the game. Um, and he and... had a good he had a good run, a stretch of games at wing. And uh, I I I I'm definitely a Broussard truther to a certain to a certain effect because he plays on teams that go deep often. He was on those Rangers teams that went deep. He was on that Senators team that was one goal away from a cup final. Uh, and he played on this Islanders team that was two wins away from a cup final. Uh, and I, I think there's value in that. With that being said, I don't think that I'm devast- – I'm not devastated that he's gone. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, they they 
they brought him in to play third line center. He he wasn't what they needed. They traded for JGP, and I think that uh, they're better off for it. And they and they signed him to uh, what has he got? Five years, Pedro? I, six years? I th- I think he has. I think he has six years, and this year is the first year. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I th- I think that's great because Pedro I think is twenty seven, twenty eight. I think. Uh, I think that's great. I think that's fine. Um, I and I and I think also letting Broussard go because what he is now is a wing. Letting him go to me means that uh, it means oh okay you're you're making space for Wallstrom, for Bellows, for Koivula, yep. for for guys that that uh, obviously Holmstrom. they have to Holmes. We'll see about Holmstrom, but <laughs> guys that will. You don't want to hand people spots, but you also don't want to make it impossible for them to make the lineup. And and right, but like letting Broussard go to me is is that signifier? On the other hand, you know, having to let having to trade Taves for uh, for just futures, uh, to, like because of your cap casualty, uh, like your cap crunch, is. Is to me not something that that you can't hold against Lou uh, and 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 the administration because Habs just scored. Habs just scored. By the way, they're up four three. Nice. Oh, and and uh, a certain a certain uh, ninety one was on on the ice for for the blue team there. So that's interesting. Um, <laughs> but but uh, you know, um, to to me, I think that. Taves and I get I get that they need to you know they needed to consider what like re-signing Barzell they need to consider re-signing Sorokin, Beauvillier and Pelletier. I, I get I get all of that. To me, all of that said, uh, to me, all of that said, Leo Komarov did not need to to be signed to four years. Thomas Hickey did not need to be signed to four years. Andrew Ladd is the previous uh, previous uh, you know leadership, and that was uh, Snow signed that contract, but that was pressure from the ownership group to make a big splash because uh, they wanted to sign Stamkos. He uh, stayed in Tampa Bay before he made free agency, and then they were just like, "Oh, let's go with another guy." And then that other, like the next, I guess one of the next biggest names, unfortunately, that summer. And when you look at that summer, a lot of the free agent contracts that were signed. Were absolute bad. shit. It was a shit the summer. Oposo, Oposo contract looks real bad too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and Nielsen. I, I mean, two two of the guys that yeah, yeah and, and and Martin. So you know who then Lou traded back for and now has resigned. But we'll we'll get to that in a second. We'll get into that. But but to me, it's like you know when it comes to Taves is a guy that that I thought you know I, I was a bit frustrated because frankly. Every they say everybody has a role in this in this team. His role to me was power play quarterback, and he did not amplify the power play. And I think at a certain point, it is it's it's you know they've been through how many like how many power play coaches have they been through uh, in the yeah. last three years? Scott, Scott Gomez. Scott Gomez. Who who was the who was the the coach this year? Do you remember? Uh, it, uh, uh, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. Fuck. It was, oh, it was Regardless. a guy. Yeah, yeah. It was a guy that that, that played with, uh, or, or that was, uh, you know, formerly the Leafs 
uh, power play uh, coach, I believe. And it's like, well, not the same, not not the same uh, quality of player. So or, or, or uh, lineup. And I, I think I don't know. To me, Taves. I thought he he obviously was a very very good puck mover. I think he was a very productive player. Uh, I I think he had limitations. I don't think he can be your 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 top power play unit guy. But I still think he he's he's of uh of of a particular quality that I think I think he's better than Nick Letty on the power play, and that's what's concerning to me uh, about about you know swap, swapping them out and. Uh, and to me, I was hoping that if you were going to trade Taves, it was going to be a replacement for a uh, a NHL like ready uh, offensive contributor uh, up front. So here's here's where I'm at with the uh, Taves situation because, like I said, I'm I'm also an Avalanche fan, and uh, he got traded to the Avalanche for two seconds, uh, and I remember being excited kind of on both ends in a weird way when this trade came through. Uh, Taves was the second-pair defenseman for the Islanders. He is going to be a third-pair defenseman for the Avalanche. They're ridiculously deep everywhere except goaltending. Um, the thing about it is it was two seconds, and I remember going on Twitter and seeing all of the Joe Sackick just fleece Lou Lamorello takes and being really confused by, like, Lou Lamorell has made some pretty funny decisions as a GM. The Leo Carl contract, even though I will defend Leo's play, is bad. Uh, the Matt Martin contract, we'll get into, it's too long. Uh, this trade, two seconds, uh, when they need draft capital and to clear cap space where they can package one of those second-round picks with a player like Leo Komarov or someone else, uh, to get that uh, relief that they need. I, uh, I I liked it from both sides. The The Avalanche got way deeper, and they, the, the, the defensive lines for the Avs don't even project Byram in them yet. Uh, I, I, uh, I could think of a couple of players that they could have traded Taves for had the Avalanche wanted to go that route, or other teams maybe, I don't know. Uh, but... Regardless, I I remember seeing that and just being like, I think this is the most insanely fair trade. He was he was he was a good player for the Islanders, but but they play in a system that you can more or less plug pretty you can plug people into that that like they're they are replacing him with with Dobson in in a way. Um I guess they're really replacing him with Mayfield, and Mayfield is uh, and Dobson is replacing Mayfield. If you want to look at it like that, am I wrong? Yeah, I, I mean, to to me, and all that's valid and fine because, frankly, I do think I think Noah Dobson very realistically, maybe within two years' time, uh, might end up being the Islanders' best defenseman. Um, the pro and the, I guess the the problem is, what if someone gets hurt? Then what are you looking at for your seventh defenseman? Uh, you know they. They've got they've got a certain Sebastian Ajo who I'm curious to see how he plays, uh, you know, given the opportunity. Uh, um, a Thomas Hickey does uh, if he doesn't get traded, is a capable seventh defenseman. Last time I I saw him play, which given was a year a year and change ago, I don't know what his situation would be. I know he got hurt in Bridgeport, uh, 
Um, uh, uh, there's a oh man, why can't I think of his name? There's another defenseman that uh, they were talking about in camp. Um, uh, Duck. Not a, yes, not on our radar. Um, regardless, it, it, there, you know, there's some people who might work out, but yeah, the biggest problem is immediate depth, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. I so so to me, I guess like it, again, so these are all things where like it it's hard to gauge where this team is at or what the plan is because I don't know where to to like where do I judge this window from because okay like let's get it Barzal that that contract is good I I, I think it's yeah. it's fair uh, I had a feeling it was going to be a bridge it's very encouraging that they that he wanted to get a extension like a a, a, a long term extension I think yeah. I think because because I also think that just in reality on some level I wonder if he's if he's aware and I can see this playing out that the Islanders system is inevitably going to have to open up uh, in time just by virtue of the older players getting offloaded you know like I like um, so I, I think and also yeah. he, he is going to, he is definitively the guy for the Islanders like 100% he is the guy for them and yeah. that's that's it and and I think he relishes that uh he definitely wants some more help something that I'm curious about your perspective my my one just overarching thought on Barzell is just when it comes to style of play he is very different and I don't know that this is changeable I think he's very different than the previous franchise center that the Islanders had. Oh yeah, he's way he's insanely different. Uh the the uh the uh, other franchise uh centerman that the the previous franchise centerman that the Islanders had uh I forget what his name was. Redacted um, 91. Right. Uh he he played plays uh a style that is very um it it, it in tight he's great. Uh his his mobility isn't quite there as we we literally just watched him get beat, uh, just got get beat on the outside uh, for the the Canadians to create a chance and then score on a rebound. Um, kind of trickled through Anderson too. It's a bad goaltending situation. Tommy Salo well. style, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Barzell reminds me, and it really depends. I, I, like I said, being an Avalanche fan. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of a younger Nathan McKinnon. Uh, his speed, his Nathan McKinnon shot wasn't always there. That is something that he kind of worked on. Uh, he, Nathan McKinnon got huge in his second season. Barzell didn't fall into that trap, and I say that because uh, I think it slowed Nathan down and kind of like fucked with his head a little bit. He had a weird sophomore slump situation. Um, I kind of think that Barzell is going to fall into a situation where he becomes a Nathan McKinnon type player minus the physicality. I don't think that the physical. I don't think you're going to see the reverse Forsberg hits mm-hmm. that Nathan McKinnon is throwing, uh, uh, like ragdolling guys. I think Barzell is a little bit slicker. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's motions are like he's so fast, but they're really jagged motions that are like jarring and Barzell is smooth as butter so it, it is it is such a different style of player from redacted 91 uh 
and it's interesting because I think that uh, the uh, the uh, redacted ninety one players, uh, his style of play would have fit kind of well in the Barry Trot system. I know. I mean, that that's what makes that the the grand what if. But but we're we're not dealing with what ifs. We're, we're dealing with what what could be. And yeah. uh, and and with that in mind, the reason I ask is that the thing that that concerns me at Barzell, especially in context of a salary cap system, is that. I think the biggest, like, or one of the, the, the more prominent differences is that uh, Redacted 91 can finish from a lot of different places, and Barzell, I just don't think, is a shoot. Like, he's, he's, just, not, he's just not a shooter. He's, he's an incredible playmaker, and he's an incredible— He's got to work on it. Yep. He's an incredible—well, see, my, my, my whole thing, I guess, is that I wonder if—like, I don't know if—I know I think, I think Staple has had articles in the past about, like, Barzell wants to hit the 30 goal mark at some point in his career. Like he wants to be that guy that can hit 30 goals but still, you know, set up, you know, 50 plus uh uh you know assists. My my thought though is that if if he can't be that guy, if his shot just isn't that good and there's nothing wrong with that if if he's a 20 no. to 25 goal guy, that's still hugely valuable. The issue though is that if he needs a finisher what I'm concerned about is like the money, like the the money that that it costs money for finishers. And what frustrates me again about this construction is that like you didn't want to lose Andrews Lee, that's that's fine, but I still feel like seven million for seven for six years was it or seven? I forgot. Seven, seven times seven. That is that is hard. And then the issue with that is like okay, like who's the other guy? And I think. I think we're seeing in the Barry Trotz era, Jordan Eberle, short of that that last month of the 2018-19 season and that that uh, Penguin series, he's just I don't think he's a guy that can handle first uh, like first pair defenseman. Like I just don't think that's where he's at. And and I and they've given long term contracts to guys that I just don't think. Mesh. Maybe if if you had Lee and then you had, I'm just throwing it out. Like a obviously, I know he's he's degraded in the past year, but like uh, a uh, Jeff Skinner type was a guy that I thought stylistically with Barzell would have yeah fast speed Pacioretty. You know, like I I, I thought that would on have the trade been, block supposedly. I thought that would have been good. So like my concern with with. Barzell is like I, I I think he's uh, I think he's a great player. Uh, yeah. I just wonder that are the Islanders going to be able to not squander him the way uh, and he he does have a better supporting cast than uh, Redacted had for uh, I would say the first like six seasons of his career. Like yep. uh, yeah. so, so they're not like squandering it on the same level but I do have that I do have that concern and then when you have things like you know the and Andy Green again happy that he's still on the team I think I think especially with Boychuk on like yeah you need that that presence there he he and Dobson do have strong chemistry just playing that's great yep. but to like two two mil like two million of it is pay is being paid next season like, you're uh, uh, <laughs> You're better. It's so funny 
he's he was he would have been better the the Islanders would have been better off signing him to a two year two million dollar deal. You know what I mean? Where it's a million per season, but they got him next year too. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, they, they signed him to to seventy uh, seven hundred fifty thousand dollar contract that somehow has a two million dollar hit next year. Like this is this is provided he plays thirty games or more. This is some insane like this. Which is, he should. That's so. So that's two million less that that you have for you know Bo or Sorokin. Like it's to me, it's so. It's so maddening. Like, to, it's such a boomer politic type thing where, like, Lou does not seem like he's planning for having to, to you know, see the other end of this shit. And it's... it's I mean, he's, he's like 80-something, right? So... <laughs> it's it's just kind of... It's kind of baffling with with some of this stuff because it's like they signed... They, they, so, like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Martin, you know, if they were to, to have signed him to a one-year deal, I would have been fine because I thought... This year, with this being Sezikis' last year, I thought this was going to be the last run for the fourth line, which I was fine for because they. I thought they proved enough in the playoffs. Give them another another run. Maybe they they have a little bit more in the can. But yeah, to have signed Martin now to four years, one point five isn't a huge hit, but it's not no zero. But it's four years. But it's four. It's four uh. years, and you have and you have Ross Johnston. For another, what you have him for three, three or one more after this year, I think, because he was signed to four. I think going into the first Lou year. Sure, sure, you're right, you're right, you're right. But uh, still, this is just money. That this is just so much. The Islanders have so much dead money that, like, is that you can't you, you set you set Lad aside. There, there still is so much dead money here that, like, is so bizarre and uh, yeah. So, I'm gonna say really quick. We're we're uh, 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 we still got a lot to cover, and we're uh, we're already like 35 plus minutes into the pod. But I I, I want to touch on it really quick and mm-hmm. just say I would have loved a Matt Martin deal at I I would have been fine with fucking two years. I would have been fine. I would have been like okay with three years if the cap it was a mill. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have been like okay, whatever, whatever. Four years at 1.5. It it it. It, the thing that like perplexes me is I, I think he would have signed a three-year $1 million deal or a two-year $1.5 million deal. You know what I mean? I think Andy Green would have signed a, a, a contract worth less money. I, so I, I don't understand it completely. You know what I mean? There, yeah, there's just – it seems like there's been all sorts of – for, you know – uh, it, again, it's it's very boomer shit where it's like you you you, la- you laud these like principles and 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 platitudes, and then then when you like look at the actual details of it, it's like I'm not even sure you're following your own lead here. What the hell? And it, like it doesn't even make sense for you. Like I don't even know what's going on yeah. here. So you know, to me, l- l- let's let let's move it to the you know the opening night roster, which uh, you know has. Yeah. I think actually may have changed since we our, our failed or our, our failed attempt yesterday. Uh, I I yes. believe. Uh, so let me. I'm I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up Staples Twitter. He's got the projected lines on there. Great. Uh, okay. So first line would be. Uh, is it fucking? I think. It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's an Andrew Gross retweet. Either way. Uh, first line 
Barzell, Liam Everly, sure. Saw it happening. That's, I, you know, I'm ready to go. Strap me in. Uh, Nelson, Bavillian, Bailey, figured figured as much. They were, they were sick uh, all playoff long. Um, I'm going to say fourth line is intact, as as expected. Um, and then we've got an interesting situation where the practice, the, the squad practicing was Peugeot between any of Johnston Ladd or uh, Zarnick on the left side, and then on the right side, Komarov, Delcal, Wallstrom, Koivula, and Bellows. So uh, <laughs> Peugeot is skating with eight other dudes. Um, and so Peugeot, Peugeot at third line center, you love to see it. Uh, and supposedly the rush lines, which is confusing because Bellows is not on, he's on the tax squad, but he was practicing with like the rush lines, meaning theoretically he would be playing tomorrow. I guess we're going to have to wait, but it, it would have been Peugeot, Ross Johnson, and Bellows. And, but, but Wallstrom's on the actual team. Uh, he's on the actual opening roster, so it, it it doesn't make much sense to me. But I think we're gonna get one of Wallstrom or Bellows on Pajot's wing with Ross Johnson, which I am. I know Ross Johnson and Matt Martin in the same lineup is a little bit repetitive. It's a little redundant, but against against the Rangers, uh, maybe you get under Tony D'Angelo's skin. Uh, they are they're a different team. They're not scrappy. They're they're fast. Uh, they're skilled. But I I I think there is some merit to having a psychopath in the lineup. Yeah. No. I I mean so against the arrival specifically. I I guess we should also probably just outright say things that we're probably going to get wrong and and hopefully learn by the end of the season. Uh, how LTIR works, how this taxi yeah. squad situate. I, I like, everyone. I've given like I've given. I, I tried to understand the ins and outs of all this, and it's just I can't. Uh, so it's like we'll see who, who's playing tomorrow, but it does seem like that third line tomorrow will be Johnston, will be Johnston, Peugeot, uh, and Bellows, uh, and and the fourth line is the fourth line. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and the, the defense, if I recall correctly, is Pelik Pulak, yep. Letty, Letty Mayfield, yep. Green, and Dobson. Dobson. That's, those yep. are those are the plans. And and that's sick. I guess the other people of note, as you mentioned, Wallstrom. It seems like Wallstrom. A, a lot good has been said of him. Uh, it, it also seems that uh, uh, Bullduck, who I'm not sure if he got sent to back to. Junior, I, I didn't see his name, but he he was the defenseman that that seemed to turn some heads. Yes, um, and and uh, and I mean, then there's also, if, unless I'm forgetting somebody else from the forwards or defense, then there is the Varlamov Sorokin uh, opening lineup, which Varlamov's yes. going to get the start, but Sorokin is here, um, and I, I'm very excited. To see him, so like I, you know, looking at this lineup, I th- there's there's stuff I like and there's stuff that concerns me. Uh, the the thing that con- I, I, yeah, right. Go ahead, go ahead. What concerns you? I guess what what concerns me, uh, the part that concerns me the most, I guess, is the whether or not the, the they get the power play 
to work. I, I I'm I'm glad that it, it sounds yeah. like they're 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 trying something new. It sounds like they're going to try Dobson, at, like in the Carlson, like at, in the Carlson spot on an umbrella. So like straight ahead, in the Ovechkin spot, right? And then and then pull yeah, and then Pulak in the Ovechkin spot, which. Uh, they tried Pulak in the sure, 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 sure. before, but part of, I guess, maybe part of why it didn't work was they, they didn't figure out who would be <laughs> distributing it to him. And I think maybe Dobson helps because, I don't know, I, do, we'll see. I, I, I just, I'm willing to trust Trotz in, in trying that. Dobson's pedigree says that he is, you know, uh, good at all. He's an all, he's an all skills defenseman. So I am, and he's been... Uh, that guy, you know, in his in his uh, development. So I'm I'm game to see him in that spot um, here. But I guess short yeah. of that, my 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 other concern is that that second pair because to me, uh, Letty Mayfield, Letty Letty can be a, a real horror show in his own end. I know Pr- Trotz was singing his praises. In the playoffs, but I I find him to be uh, I find him to be a bit worrisome um, in his own end and and Mayfield I just think Mayfield is he is he he plays hard he plays his ass off but I just think his his skating is is not great he's I don't think he's a great athlete and I just worry about that's your second pair like I I have a bit more faith in Green on experience and and uh, and hockey IQ. And Dobson on uh, youth and raw Skill. talent than I do Letty and and Mayfield as like a second pair. Letty's, listen, I I love Nick Letty's speed and I think it makes up for a lot of his other uh, blind spots. I really do. Uh, May, Mayfield's I think Mayfield is probably the worst defenseman of the six. And I don't think he's horrible, but I do think that yeah, he can get himself into situations where you're like, oh boy. Oh boy! Uh, but he's got he's got a, some weird moments, some weird offensive moments too. Um, that game seven he's, snipe he's was, got a little, was nuts. Yep, he's got some fire in him. I like he's he's an Islander. I I and like I I like that. He's a little bit he's he's a little bit weird, uh, but I I like him. If he's your sixth. If he's your worst defenseman, uh, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, – and you got to keep in mind with this team, they are playing within a system that is just really, really sound. And, like, you know, it's one of these things where if these guys buy in again, especially in a shortened 50-something game season, uh, that, that – that is a good thing for the Islanders. Uh, this this is a you know the shortened season's a blessing in disguise in a way for a team like the Islanders that uh, it it's got to be a fucking grind to play eighty two games of a Barry Trotz type system and then get into the playoffs and have to play the Barry Trotz type system but even fuck grinding even more because it's the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I I don't know. Um, I'm I, I I like I like this roster on paper. Uh, the the thing that's more worrisome than anything is the the future situation, which we already kind of went over. 
But like, if you're looking at it from a, are they the lightning? Are they the avalanche? No. But that's the thing about the NHL. Uh, system beats out skill in a lot of instances. And um, I, I, I got to say this as, a, as an avalanche guy, I would rather the avalanche play a team like the lightning than play a team like the Islanders in a weird way, because you kind of know what you're getting with the, the lightning and you're going to kind of go tooth for tooth with them. Uh, with, with a team like the Islanders, they, they could surprise you and just frustrate you to, to high hell. Uh, so I, 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 I like the roster on paper. It's the futures that, uh, the future situation, the future cap situation that, that worries me. It worries me less than some, uh, because I, I tend to believe that these guys know what they're doing. Uh, but it's still like uh, you're going to be sweating a little bit, especially uh, this offseason. Especially this offseason, uh, I'll say. I so, so, yeah, and something that, that I guess uh, on, on this uh, to transition, or before we transition out, out of this, I, I want to say I kind of want to speak into existence something that, is a concern and a hope at the same time. I am concerned about Jordan Eberle. Uh, like I, I, I just feel that, that his game has gone down uh, the last two years. Talking, talking about like constantly shifting and uncertain windows. And like he was signed or he was traded for to be the redacted ninety-one uh, winger, and like that team doesn't exist anymore. Like that whole idea of what that. What he was signed, like or what he was brought to the Islanders originally for, never uh, ended up actualizing. And then he was, right. was weird that it was weird that first year. And I thought he was a goner, but they kept him on. I, it seems like he's liked in the locker room. It seems like in general, you know, uh, it, it's a tight knit group there. But I, I just I think his game is going down. What I would love to see is I, I want him to be productive because if he's productive, it means that the Islanders are are, are at least. Uh, you know, succeeding on some level. I hope he's productive enough. I hope he, he, he's productive enough uh, that um, Seattle takes him and takes that five and a half million because Jordan Eberle to the Seattle Kraken would solve some problems for the Islanders uh, in, in a very, very big way. Because uh, I, don't, I don't see a lot of trades happening this summer. Uh, like, I, th- I think the cap's going to be funky. So, uh, but yeah, Jordan Eberle is a guy that I'm watching because, you know, I, I think, and, you know, we've kind of want this pod, uh, as, as we'll get into in a little while, to, to speak to different things that a lot of Isles Twitter and Isles podcasts are not talking about. Like, obviously, uh, Beauvillier, he's a player to watch. Obviously, Dobson, a player to watch. Obviously, Sorokin, a player to watch. We all know that. But yep. um, Jordan Eberle is a guy that, like, he has a very peculiar space because it seems like from some of the staple articles about like Seattle uh, predictions, it seems like it's going to be him or Bailey that's going to be exposed. And I hope my man, my close friend, my best friend, uh, Josh Bailey, gets to see another two seasons uh, for the Islanders because I think he's like about two or three seasons away from breaking the all-time games played record. And I also think he's way more versatile than Jordan Eberle. So, um, um, yeah. So I'll I'll push back a little bit on the Jordan Everly slander because I think like a lot of offensive talent he is a streaky player. Uh 
I, I, I should have written down his point and goal totals over the the course of the last few years. I I like him, and I wouldn't mind him playing out this contract because I, I and with that being said, I think that uh, I wouldn't mind him playing out this contract, especially if uh, the Islanders can find a way to upgrade to a first line winger to replace him or Lee uh, and one of those guys getting pushed back to the second line. Uh, if it's between him and Bailey, that's tough because I love Josh Bailey too. You're a little closer with him than I because you uh, you shared words uh, outside of a Chipotle, I believe. It was outside of uh, best food. There's this like uh, natural organic like uh, grill on Seventh uh, Street in Garden City that like I, I like the players. I used to deliver burgers. Uh, from a place next door to it, and like, I, I you'd be able to tell which players like right after practice are either like going for it or or trying to take care of themselves because some would come into the uh, into the burger place, but most of them would usually be in the like uh, health store next door getting like a smoothie, uh, like a super right. smoothie or something. Oh, and Jordan Everly last year in fifty eight games, sixteen goals, twenty four assists. So you know, and he missed those ten games with uh, with injury. It, you know, you, to to your point, it's plausible he would have hit twenty goals if he would have hit twenty, no doubt in my mind. To to me, I guess the issue though is that uh, that I, I guess for the Islanders again, everybody has a role. I think if Jordan Eberle's streakiness was that of a guy that is thirty to thirty five rather than twenty to twenty five. Uh, that that has a lot more relevance to me, and and that kind of uh, has a lot more value. Like that that uh, earns the, the the space that I imagine he is supposed to inhibit for this team, or uh, 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 inhabit um, rather. I'm taking a look really quick at this. Let's see. Okay. Uh... He reminds me in a lot of well, you know, uh, to be fair, Matthew Shane actually. First of all, Matthew Shane's a center. Second of all, last year was a little bit weak for him in general. But uh, he reminds me of Matt Duchesne in ways uh, because of the way that he scores in such streaky. Is such a streaky player. I remember watching that Avs team with Matt Duchesne, and it was he was easily one of the most frustrating players to be a fan of. Uh, and I don't get that same frustration with Eberle, and I think that part of it is me getting older and more patient and trusting the process a little bit more and understanding these ebbs and flows of uh, productivity. But uh, it, it comes with the territory with a lot of these guys. Um, but we'll, we'll move on from it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that uh, depending, on how, uh, depending on how his output is. Uh, over the course of the season, well, yeah, and it's good because it's going to be a tough year. And you know, with this new division, you know, it's 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 it really is going to be a, an insane division because I think, you know, so it's it's the Islanders, Rangers, uh, Devils, Capitals, Penguins, Flyers, Sabres, Bruins, Sabres, Bruins, and I mean, like that is that's. That's a. There are. It's really good. Yeah, it, it's good. I mean, especially when you factor in like 
you have the teams that have been good for a long time, like the Penguins and and the Bruins, uh, and the and I get the uh, and the Capitals, and the Flyers to a lesser extent. But you have those four, and then you yeah. have uh, the the Rangers who are you know who ha- have had like the fastest rebuild and like reload ever. I still think their defense is uh, is trash, especially with uh, the side. with the FBI investigating their defense. Um, <laughs> so you know, I think I think, uh, but they're they're a team that you have to watch, uh, and uh, and like the Sabers, like it is the Sabers. You know, it's they are a they've been a mess forever, but they did they did get the the best uh, player or like the best free agent. <laughs> No, I guess that no. Petrangelo is definitely the best free agent uh, this past offseason. But they got the best forward, I guess, uh, in, in Taylor Hall, uh, and 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 uh, and they they did improve with with Stahl. I think their goaltending sucks, but like they are desperate to be good. And in a shortened season, that that 2012 or that that 2013 Islander team in a shortened season were able to. They were hungry and they were able to make it work because they they caught a strong streak and they're able to to make it to the playoffs and I think there's there's parallels in that Sabres team to uh, in in that in that Islanders team to this Sabres team so it's you know it's going to be a tougher division they're they're only playing interdivisional games uh, that yep. all, all of that said I am willing to put enough faith that the Islanders are going to. I predict them to make the playoffs, uh, and I'm willing to predict them to win a round. Uh, I I don't know going further than that. It's it's hard because the Islanders, unlike a lot of these teams that are a lot of uh, variables, the Islanders are a complete lack of variables for the most part. I mean, it's seeing how Dobson handles the time, seeing how Sorokin adjusts. I have a lot of faith in in how those things play out. Like it being more or less a similar team, I think it's about like who's going to flame out. Like to me, they keep saying the Penguins. You know, you you keep thinking, is this year the Penguins fade and then they're still the Penguins? Um, but I think their goal, like I think the Islanders' goaltending is solid enough. If not, it's sick. If not it's sick, yeah, yeah. If not, if not, like uh, I, I think it, it's it's going to be more consistent than a lot of the other teams' uh, goaltending. Uh, you know, so I am that. That's where I'm at. I'm not sure. You know what your thoughts are or predictions for. I, I don't have any bold ones. Uh, I've. It's hard to say whether they're bold or not, but. Uh, from listening to podcasts, seeing uh, different stat projections, uh, a lot of people have the Bruins at one, um, and the Capitals. It's it's it is a, a really tough division, but I think the Islanders. I, I definitely think the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. Um, I think the Sabers are going to miss. It's tough. It, it, it. I. I appreciate what you're saying about the Sabers, in a shortened season. Uh, with that, like, uh, it, it's it's almost like a situation where it's it's bound to happen at some point. I just don't. I don't see it. The Rangers. Uh, I. I can't see Panarin replicating what he did again. I know Zibanejad was hurt, 
for uh, a handful of games, and people think that he'll score. Uh, people think that he'll score seventy goals um, for some reason because he had a five goal game last year. Um, so, I, but I, I I don't I don't trust the defense, and because of that, I won't trust the goaltending. I think the goaltending is good, but who knows if that that'll regress too? I don't I don't know I don't know David Quinn's coaching system. I I, I have no idea what's going on there. Uh, but I think a lot of people are kind of projecting to be like a sneaky dark horse that that sneaks into the playoffs because uh, they're they're young and fun and and uh, people pe- people like talking about them. They're the Rangers. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see it yet. I think they're still a couple years away. Um, I, I it would surprise me if the Islanders uh, won the division. At the same time, I don't think the Bruins are going to win it. I think it's going to be a, another capital situation where Peter Laviolette's injected into that uh, with that team, and uh, you know that ch- <laughs> the, the Chara signings. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh you, man, you watching? What you watch? Yeah, yeah. I just saw. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, listeners. Uh, we, we were watching uh, a certain team. Uh, a certain redacted, a certain redacted individual just made a uh, a game winning play, um, but yeah. sorry, yeah, I, I, yeah, cap caps. You're saying uh, I could see the Caps winning this division. I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders wound up in a two or three spot. Uh, I agree with the Bruins interchange those two, and I think the I think uh, this is what I was going to say. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people think the Flyers are like the sickest team and like low key the sickest team in this division. I I, I don't see it as much. Uh, the Islanders have kind of had their way with the Flyers the last handful of years. Um, I think the Flyers are good, but I you know I I don't know I I I think they're I think they're good. Uh, Elaine Vigneault is uh, a good coach for stretches. And then his message seems to kind of wear on guys. He's only in his second year, so that that probably won't be the case. Um, but I don't know. I don't see the I don't see the Flyers. I, I can see the Flyers in the three or four position. Uh, I think the Penguins are going to take that step back. The Sabers. It's just there's no one outside of Eichel and uh, Eichel and Hall and Darlene, and the Devils aren't there yet. The devils, yeah. the devils are curious too because they're supposed to be good at some point, and it's the gonna, ra- and like I just said about the Rangers too. I I I, I think it's going to be a situation where the Devils and Rangers are going to get real good at the same time. But I I always kind of think that the Islanders are get a shot as long as they got Barry coach uh, Barry coach Barry Trotz is the coach, yeah, and they've got like competent NHL talent. Well, yeah, no, I agree, but but to that point, you know, I think it's important. To remember that Barry Trotz, I believe, was signed to a five-year deal, and we're about to enter year three. So, I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that it, I, I don't. That's the end. But but I think that you know you don't. In general, you don't want to have a coach that stays somewhere forever because that can that can wear. I I know by the end of his tenure at in Washington, there was some uh, animosity. Uh, between him and some of the players as I guess makes sense over that much time. The Capitals were a very particular circumstance because they were underachievers by the time he got there. 
So yeah, yeah. like it, it's almost like and uh, yeah. So to me, I, I just I, I definitely want to see this team become more dynamic because I think it will just be better in every aspect. It'll be more fun to watch. It'll be better for the team. Uh, the better better for the team's success. And I think I think I think Barry definitely would love to have a few more tools at his disposal. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, the uh, uh, the one tweet that I sent you earlier today was the uh, uh, Barry Trotz, uh, the tired Barry Trotz is inserting Ross Johnson into the lineup to mess around with Tony D'Angelo on the wired is uh, Barry Trotz is playing um, one of the NHL, one of the only NHL guys that he can in that position because the rest of the the rest of his choices are. Uh, not not good yeah no no that's that's valid i mean but but i mean he barry trotz is going to coach him and he's going to coach them you know so we are the 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 games that will take place between now and the next pod are these first two games with the rangers and uh playing on martin luther king day against the bruins and uh you know i i to steal a aisle seat pod uh, ism, but two out of three, it seems like, especially in a shortened season, getting two out of three uh, seems to be the thing that you need, uh, and especially in what will be a tight division and in in a situation where every single game is a four point game, uh, they're gonna want to, um, you know, they're gonna want to win. Uh, two out of three, and, and I definitely want at least one of those to be against the Rangers. <laughs> I want two of those to be against the Rangers. Yeah, uh, yeah no, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see how uh, we're gonna have to see this Lafreniere kid in action. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm 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 curious uh, to see how the Islanders get out of the uh, get out of the starting gate. It's um. It's a situation where I could see a slow start and then a ramp up, or I could see absolute madness out of the gate and then a slow down before the playoffs. I think those are kind of the two options we're working with. Uh, but, you know, the first few games of the season are so hard to pinpoint what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Mike Comrie's four goals in the first two games of 2007 2008. Ended up not being a good way. He he did not finish that season with 164 goals. The, so the Sabers do this. The Sabers do this a fucking lot too, where they they fucking come storming out the gate, and then all of a sudden they are like 30 points out of a playoff spot. But but yeah, so I I think what's interesting in in both of these cases, it seems like the thing that that I guess I'm gonna look for is how the Islanders can take advantage of. Uh, defensive cores that have had a lot of changeover and or are very uh, inexperienced like yep. that 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 uh rangers left side is not very good hopefully jack johnson is in the lineup hopefully he will be i think he's on the second pair hopefully jack johnson and tony d'angelo are a defensive pair i would love to see uh the any of the islanders uh forward lines ha- have uh have some fun uh, on a cycle against them, um, watch Jack Johnson forget who his man is is always a joy. 
Um, but and, and 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 with the Bruins, with the Bruins, I mean they've lost. So they lost Krug and Chara, and and those were uh, you know two big parts of their their defense. Um, yeah, that's another big reason why I don't I don't see the the Bruins like a clear cut to win the division. They did win the President's Trophy last year, but they lost Krug and they lost Chara. They lost a great defenseman, and then they lost a good defenseman who was their leader, which is, you know, we are a, uh, we're an Islanders podcast. We, I, I assume we both buy into the, uh, yeah, it's the locker room guy stuff is a little overblown in some circles, but it's also way underblown in others, and there's there's importance to that. And losing Chara, that's that's tough. That's really tough. No, no, for sure. So I, I think there's a decent. I, I think that I mean I'd love to see the Islanders uh, uh, go three and zero, baby. Um, but but we'll we'll <laughs> see. You know, I uh, two out of three. Two out of three is the goal. But, you know, every three games at, at least hit two two out of three. Um, and uh, you know th- that's uh, that's a hockey uh, hockeyism a bit. You know, start strong, pucks in deep, uh, and and. Hockey culture is something that is uh, has been very much disputed, uh, has very much been under the microscope, uh, starting a little over a year ago with with Don Cherry, and then everything with uh, Akeem Alou uh, coming out about his mm-hmm. uh, his his treatment by uh, by Bill Peters, and uh, you know I I think uh, part of what this podcast will will do is actually talk about those things and maybe even sometimes things that are not um hockey culture related but just world related but uh you know yeah. I, I think that's something that i'm very curious you know, you know another thing that happened while we were gone was uh the the black lives matter protests after uh the murder of george floyd and the islanders had one of the worst statements um and it was it was bad it was bad i mean and statements are just statements uh, that's what kim davis uh of of the nhl i believe she's the chief of of uh diversity and inclusion or, or, or it's yep some uh uh title in, in that um field but in that uh, realm yeah in that realm um yeah, you know, it's one of those things where statements aren't everything, but they made one of the worst ones. And I mean, it, it got to the point where I, you know, I reached out to Arthur Staple, who was uh, of, of The Athletic, who was kind enough to interview me and uh, Jason uh, and, uh, and and Ian, a couple other fr- friends of mine, Islander fans that are also uh, minorities, uh, people of color. Uh, and I, you know, it's one of those things where... I didn't forget, I, and, but I feel like a lot of fans, uh, you know, maybe don't forget or just aren't thinking about it. I am curious as to how many people listening to this pod, if they've listened this long, decided I don't want to hear this shit. But like, I, that in and of itself is the thing. The fact of like expecting it to go away because then, you know, uh, you have the the Ahmad Arbery shooting, and then and then you have. Uh, and then you have to have this whole thing where they didn't. The, the NHL was the only thing that played. Was the only thing that played. 
you know and and that's where where you know I got to talk with Arthur again which eventually then led to that article but but seeing how how they were late to the punch at at the at the jump and then players start to talk about things and then when it comes down to it when they come back to hockey and hockey's happening they still can't make that pivot everybody else does and nobody else like no, nobody in the hockey world was able to to make the decision and uh and sure enough, you know, it's uh, I have my doubts about what's going to happen because look, Hockey Diversity Alliance, you know, is, is is created, and I'm glad that it is something that can't be co-opted by the NHL, as proven by the fact that they had to break off their relationship with the NHL because the NHL just is not willing to actually do transformative things, and yep. and and to me, you know, it's. It's crazy to me because the NHL is not doing well on they're not they suck at the optics of this shit and they suck at the actual functions of it. So they're not even structurally they can't even look good. They can't even structure themselves well. And then like I also think hockey media is a problem to me because how is it that that the capital gets fucking invaded yesterday by people that are you know it's 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 interesting that we're talking about them as insurrectionists where like they're trying to take over the government allegedly in the name of the people but they're doing it to try to subvert a democratic election and and to me every nba player gets at, was asked about that every nba player was d'angelo russell asked the at, decided to say no every how about you guys answer this cuz i'm always like we're always answering it i'm always a- answering it I want to know how you guys are, are reacting to this, and yeah. and and to me, not a damn like I haven't seen a, a damn thing of any of these uh, players. There won't be either, and there, there won't, won't be. be, and and it's it's and like it's just it, it's because of what this country is and how this country is going to be, even with Joe Biden getting elected. Like we we have so many more, like and it sucks to say this, but we have so many horrendous events uh that that are are seemingly just going to keep happening that the nhl just because it is such an insulated uh white rich sport the problems of the world are, are deemed other people's shit and frankly it's deemed it's like it's deemed other people's shit usually because those other people are not white people and that's all that's ever in this game so to me, like I, I'm very yeah. curious to see how this shit changes, but I'm very, I'm very doubtful about it. You got a couple factors in here too. Uh, so many Canadian players, so many European players. They're not. If they're asked about it, they're going to be like, "What?" I guarantee there is a good handful of European players that have no idea what happened at the Capitol the other day like yeah. legitimately i think that if you asked like uh, uh <laughs> you know uh, uh pick a swedish player right now who's who just came over uh they'd be like what i've i've literally just been like trying to like make sure that i have a good camp you know what i mean well yeah yeah so that's holmstrom yeah holmstrom was probably like f- like fl- flying over if he's even <laughs> been able to fly over yet like oh yeah, yeah well, he, he was yeah. in canada so so yeah he he's been in quarantine and it's i mean yeah, it's very possible he doesn't know because he's just been watching um, like ABBA music videos for the last 
and 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 studying tape. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and learn and learning English maybe. Yeah, but uh, so so that's that is that is a component component. But I I don't want to use that as an excuse either because there's a lot of American players. There's a lot of Canadian. I said there's a lot of Canadian players too, but those Canadian players, a lot of them live in America now. That's you know they're they're not uh, blind to what's going on. Uh, Logan Couture certainly wasn't. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and and to that point though, like the, the Sharks did announce their teal for change uh, initiative, which I didn't get to read through all of it, but it is a multi-layered uh, work in the community, work within their organization, like and and their processes. Uh, you know, um, that like says something that, that they, and like in, in their video, Eric Carlson talked about how like he, you know, grew up in a small town in Sweden. He wasn't, you know, he was very sheltered, uh, but be, be, being previously sheltered is no excuse to not learn more and to try to find out these things, to try to find out about the world around you and improve it. And like, yeah, it's that simple. And and that's what frustrates the hell out of me about the, the Islanders because, like, I grew up in Floral Park. Floral Park bar- borders on the city. Floral Park uh, is bordered by Elmont. Elmont is where Belmont, right? Like, the, the arena is being built, like, closest to residential Elmont neighborhoods. Elmont, uh, highest demographic is black, which is 44%. Uh, uh-huh. Only 25% of the, the, the population is white. Uh, major so it's a majority non-white uh, area. Didn't not not an islander town, and and that's why one of the things Shocker. I said in that in that staple, you know, when when I was speaking with staple, is that like I, you know, when the islanders are boasting and and Ledecky is glad-handing people, you know, getting all his photo ops about how great this is going to be for Long Island. It's it's defined by Long Island in the way that Long Island is always defined, which is the the white upper class Long Island that is what it is uh, through red line through things like redlining, through modern segregation, and it's like it's preposterous to me, like th- that like the things that always get talked about as cells for for the Islanders uh, players, the schools, yeah. the beaches, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, the quality of life. For for you, yes, for you, for for the guy that that is gonna be making uh, minimum seven fifty k, you know, yeah. like it, and and that's gonna live in Garden City, or <laughs> you know, it, it's it's uh, it's it's absurd to me, uh, Garden City or, or 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 like Huntington proper, you know, like they don't know shit. They don't know shit about about Brentwood. Or Wine Dance or Hempstead, they drive through Hempstead, and they and and to me, if they if they if they've never driven yep. past and seen that switch, when they're driving from the Garden City border to Hempstead, if that doesn't ring on them that something fucked up happened, then then I don't know. And and the fact is that I'm not seeing enough from the Islanders that says that that they're doing anything as a as an organization and also just as a as an entity like they're not developing uh like what are they what are they doing to develop elmont i know in their press release they they boasted about you know we're gonna have uh 25 or whatever 40 percent of our uh 
uh, businesses or vendors who can be, uh, you know, certified minority things. Well, all those right. things that they boasted in that press release, not sure if this is known or not, um, those are all state mandates. So they're not doing that. They, that's something <laughs> they have to do. It's a state yeah, mandate yeah. that they have to do that. So to me, it, to me again, it just speaks to this this very business world uh, PR. How do we navigate the optics and do nothing structurally? And they and as as said before, they've fucked up the optics time and time again to the extent where Anders Lee was clearly so embarrassed that he made his own statement that the team then co-opted on their socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a little like uh, just some hearts, like we stand together. Yeah. Some 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 stupid. We stand with our captain bullshit. was the thing that they said. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's it's tough uh, because a lot of these guys, uh, on top of everything that you've said, ingrained within a hockey player is the don't be a distraction, head down, uh, give those boring answers, um, don't. Don't say anything that any news site is going to pick up and other people will start talking about because someone will view it as negative and then it becomes a distraction for the team and then, uh, you know, you start losing and uh, people blame it on that. And that's that's exactly what's going through the immediate, like, I'm, I'm sure that's, a, that's what goes through the heads of the people who kind of, well... It, I say that, but at the same time, you know, Andres Lee says something like that. I I don't think Barry Trotz is in the in the room telling these guys like keep their mouth shuts, keep their mouth shut. You know what I mean? He seems like uh, he seems Lou? like a relatively. I have my doubts maybe... about Lou. I have my doubts about Lou, and just in general, hockey culture is yeah. so pervasive that it's like you said, it's been ingrained in them. And like, okay, and, and while we're on it. Josh Hosang, I don't think everything about him, uh, all of his issues were one, uh, not not ones that, that he had some culpability in. Um, and, and I don't think everything had to do with race, but I do think it's fucking preposterous that like, that you talk about character with this guy. And then I'm pretty sure AJ Greer, who they brought in, he's the guy that got into a fucking fight with, uh, with Sonny Milano. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, and got arrested. Did. I forgot about so that. So it's like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, and, and to me, the fact that like so much, so much of the criticism of Josh Hosang as he was coming up was about his his personality and his attitude, and that's always what's fucking said about people that don't conform to uh, the 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 hockey robot, you know, speech and and. A lot of that people don't understand is that, like, when you ha come from different cultures and different backgrounds, you're going to have different personality types. And is it really that much of a big deal if somebody, like, I don't know, is fun and playful and and colorful? Is that is that such a fucking problem? Because if it is, this is why this fucking sports average fan is like a 50 year old white man. This is why the sport is not growing at the rate that other sports are. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane to me. And like, and, and, you know, so to me, I, I'm sure Josh Hosang is going to have plenty of stories once he feels that he is oh, yeah. able to. And, and I would not be surprised if some of them are about the Islanders and I would not be surprised if some of them are about this Islander uh, organization, like this era yeah. of the Islanders. And, and to um, me, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 uh, 
I could go on, and, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty time for me to go on about this, you know, in the future. But to me, I, um, I I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. I, I'm gonna, I'm trying, you know, I, I'm, I plan on using my voice and as many levers as I can to try to highlight this. But it's frustrating that I have to wrestle with uh, moral uh, question, like moral introspection about supporting a team that I, a game that I love because of how it's run. Yeah. I, uh, all that's extremely valid. Um, the Josh Hoshank stuff, pretty, pretty much a nail on the head. Um, I think that in regards to the, uh, the personality issue, um, like with hockey, that uh, people with personalities, players with personalities, kind of are uh, told to uh, keep that, keep that kind of like uh, to themselves. I think that's going to change. I think we're going to see some change. Pretty like it's it's going to get better and better. But with a team specifically like the Islanders, under a guy specifically like Lou Lamorello, I think the Islanders are going to be one of the last teams that that's going to be the. Uh, that's that that we're going to see that change with yeah no, uh, I, but it's not going to go my, my yeah i mean it, it's just not going to go away you know like that's what i don't get yeah yeah uh and that's that that's the tough thing because that that's the tough thing with the uh uh the question of how we expect hockey culture to change because i think we are going to see I think we're going to see players starting to wear more fun things, you know, to to games and be more themselves, quote unquote, and be able to be a little more outspoken or whatnot. Uh, I don't think that extends to uh, players actually doing uh, performative things when atrocities happen, uh, specifically like, you know. Uh, <sighs> Specifically, like a, a George Floyd situation, uh, and and the other thing is, I I just don't think we're gonna like I, I don't think it's gonna get brought up. You know what I mean? Like I I don't think I it it took a it took such an extraordinary situation for the NHL to address this uh, on any level, and they they kind of botched it. Uh, and I just feel like, especially with a very uh, moderate, a very like centrist Joe Biden administration coming in. Uh, you're not going to get. I, I don't. I, I think you're not going to get as many insane, insane stuff where people have to speak out against like a president or something like that. So, so that's that's completely off the table. Stuff like atrocities and and uh, minorities being killed by police. I don't think I, I think obviously that's going to continue to keep happening, but I don't think that, barring another extraordinary instance where just everyone kind of picks up on on one thing that's specifically very like, oh, this is really really bad. I, I don't think we're going to see another. I don't think we're going to see anything performative outside of the NHL. I think we'll see the hockey hockey alliance, uh, hockey Div- diversity alliance, do and say some stuff, but like. They're limited in terms of funding, and you know they're, they're not partnered with the NHL, so they're limited and 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 not at the same time because they don't have to jump through hoops to uh, 
kind of appease the NHL and make them look good. But it's it's weird because I think that hockey culture will change, but I think it's going to change in such a in such a way that it like do, it's it's like it doesn't matter. It's going to change in the most. It'll be cool to see you know uh, players wear funny hats and and like not have to wear suits to games, but like that's the extent of you know people are going to be like streaming themselves playing Fortnite more. That's what yeah. you're going to see. You know what I mean? That's that's the extent of it, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, I I mean, and I I think that all, all of that is valid. I I think Joe Biden, especially because jo, Joe Biden operates uh, and the Democratic Party operates in that same corporate uh, PR platitudes, uh, you know, mushy platitudes oh, yeah. speak. So, like on some level, it, it, it's it's right in the wheelhouse of the NHL and uh, how the NHL goes about these things. What I will say, I guess, just like this is so grim, but like I do think that there will be pressure on Biden in instances of um, police killing uh, unarmed uh, black men and and, uh, people of color uh, and just police brutality in general. I imagine they will they will speak on it in a way that that Trump doesn't. Uh, and hasn't and never would and then that yeah. will then create that will be cor- forced to it'll force that corporate speak so it'll stay in there but and the thing is even with the corporate speak shit think about how the the Vegas Golden Knights had to had to get like they got reamed out by the, the Las Vegas police union just for their you know uh, you know for the players kneeling like I, I think inevitably <laughs> inevitably inevitably this shit is gonna hit this shit is gonna hit the fan and I just I don't know how they're going to handle it. I know they don't know how to handle it, but I'm almost certain they'll they'll handle it poorly and I I look forward to <laughs> to calling them out on it and I, and I'm I am hopeful to be able to utilize this podcast to speak about that while also being able to speak about how awesome it is to see uh Ryan Pulak uh just rip top shelf slappers and also yelling at how Michael Dalcole has no skill. He has, he has no thing that he's good at. All right, we'll say we'll save it for the next pod because there there's some stuff we didn't there's some stuff we didn't touch on. Uh, I I wanted to touch on some stuff with that uh, Matt Barzell contract. I'll touch on that next episode. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of make a little list of stuff that I, I wanted to talk about that I didn't. Uh, and we'll we'll kind of go from there. And obviously, the next episode won't be uh, an hour and twenty minutes plus. It'll be uh, it'll it'll probably we'll, we'll probably try to keep these to forty minutes. I would say. Yeah. Well. Th- yeah. Thank thank you to whoever stuck around. Listen, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of issues in uh, in how this sounds. I'm gonna try to edit this, uh, but you know, just be happy. Hockey's back. All right. Fucking deal yeah, with it. This- this is the first of many. Uh, I think that uh, we'll get. Uh, it, it, I'll be surprised. Uh, I'll be surprised if a handful of people get to the end of this. Uh, but I think moving forward, we're going to build and uh, make this fun. And um, and we've got, uh, we've got ideas. We've got some ideas. Yeah, we got ideas. So we'll cap it off there and uh, take us out with some MF Doom. Let's go, baby! Through the Island Podcast. Rest in peace, MF Doom. <laughs> it's the beat, you hear it?
in his sleep sometimes Blare it in your jeep so your peoples can stare at them rhymes Real rhymes, not your everyday hologram Even when ribs was touching, never swallowed the ham You'd rather eat a sand sandwich salad It might need salt like your man's bland ballad A lot of stuff happens that the news won't tell you Blues on L juice, snooze all hell loose Break it, take it like the good, the bad, the ugly Break it rolling through your hood in the caddy buggy Butter softy, leather, flossy, fatty juggy Always threw me off when she told me daddy funk me I'm like any who's Seeds walking all out in the street without any shoes I guess it's better than some funky socks You need to get her some skips before she catch the monkey pox Instead she wanna hit a beatbox Take pills and make fake krills that sheetrock Sing it, bring it back to your laboratory While he's in his oratory glory, it's like a horror story